You guys are probably wondering, when did Mark get so good looking? I know, it's, um, yeah, I get it, I understand. Or, or, when did Mark get so fat? One of the two. I'll aim with a good looking one. But hey, for those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Rick, and I am the middle school pastor here. That was more than I was expecting, but all right. And uh, the reason that I'm here hanging with you guys tonight is one, because I like you guys, but two, because Mark is in sunny California. I know, feel bad for him. And so he is, he's out there, family vacation, hanging out, and, uh, and so I get to come and hang here with you guys. But before we jump into our series, I just got to tell you guys, it's been a long time since I've been up here to 707 on a Wednesday night. And I got to say, one of the cool things that, that I just get to see when I step back and I'm standing off to the side of the room that you guys don't always get to see is just your heart of worship. And some people ask, you know, hey, what's the best way for me to tell my friends about Jesus? Hey, what's the best way for me to live out uh, really just scripture and what God has for me? And I got to tell you, I think the strongest way that we can show the world Jesus is by authentically coming and worshiping him, authentically coming and living for him. And so that was really cool for me just to come and see you guys really worship Jesus with all of your heart. And I want to challenge you guys as you are continuing through the summer, as you guys, I know it's Detroit's done and you guys are now amping towards school, which I know is a dangerous and scary thing, but I just want to encourage you guys. What I just saw from the side of the room as you guys were cool with just rolling with a random chorus that wasn't practiced, as you guys were cool with just coming and singing a song about how everything that you are, right? I mean, that, that song is really just every breath in our lungs. We will pour out our praise. That's, that's a great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and strength. Love your, the Lord your God with everything you are and then go and love the people around you in the same way. And so if you guys ever need to know how to go and show the world Jesus, it is to authentically live it out a personal faith. And what I just saw was a pretty powerful move of the Spirit. And so I was just praying over there, God, let this Spirit move continue as we read, I think, a pretty powerful story found in God's Word. And so if you guys have been with us uh, the past couple weeks, we've been in the midst of a series called Parables, really, last week. Mark started the series, and he started talking about just a parable of lost stuff, uh, lost, lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. And he just talked in general. He gave you guys three questions about the lost thing. And really, if you guys don't know, if you guys weren't here last week, you guys might not know what a parable is, because parable is kind of churchy language. It's Jesus-y language. Uh, I often say, when, when we talk in Jesus-like language, we talk in Christianese. And, and this is kind of Christianese-type language. Like, if you were to leave the church, people wouldn't know what a parable is. And let me just tell you, when I, when I, the, us in middle school, The Rock, we're doing the same series. We're going through parables, and this is what I've been telling them. A parable is a story with a purpose. It's a story with a purpose. Every good story, you walk away at the end of it going, that's what the story was all about. That's what the meaning of the story was. This is the moral of the story. And, and a lot of times people describe parables in this way, not even just a story with a purpose, but it's, a, it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So in other words, what Jesus was doing, and, and Jesus actually, he wanted people to remember the things that he was talking about. He wanted Jesus, or he wanted his people to remember the purpose of the stories that he was telling. I mean, think about it. For those of you guys who had me in middle school, when you were in middle school, do you remember anything I said? Yes. No, you're lying. I could test you. All right. But if I were to say, if I were to say, you might not remember any point that I gave, but if I, re, if I tell you to, re, 
re, recall like a story that I told, you guys would probably be able to retell a story that I told you at one point. Why? Because stories are memorable. We place ourselves in the midst of the story. And so that's why Jesus spoke in parables. And so what we're going to be doing for the rest of the summer, we're going to be looking at the different parables. And today we have a pretty powerful parable that we are going to be looking at. And it's all about this word forgiveness. All right, now I don't know about you, maybe you weren't like me as a child, but I had to ask for forgiveness a lot as a kid. And I'm gonna tell you guys probably one of my favorite stories to tell. So if you've been around middle school, you've probably heard this story, but it all starts one day with a trip down to Cedar Point. And now this trip down to Cedar Point started off, my parents got divorced when I was five. And, and so I got to see my dad in the summer times really every other week. And so uh, in the summertime, it was awesome. We would have these long trips. And my dad decided when I was, I don't know, maybe eight or nine years, old to kick off our summer by going down to Cedar Point. Now, as an eight or nine-year-old, you're like pumped, you're excited. I think I was just over like that threshold of being able to ride the roller coasters. So I thought I was like the man, right? And I, so my dad, we, the morning comes, we all get in the car and my dad had just gotten this awesome new car. Now, you guys don't understand it, but it, for, you know, the older people in the room, it was a Lincoln Continental. It was a white Lincoln Continental, and it was, it was fresh, all right? And so here's the thing. Is that cool? Is that the cool word now? Lit? It was lit, all right? So, um, and so here's the thing, right? The, we get in the car, and we go, and my dad's like, oh, I got to stop and get gas. So we get gas, and my dad says this. It's like the gl- most glorious words a parent can tell any, any kid, Right? you can go and pick out anything you want from inside. And I was like, oh yeah. You know, and I was, you know, I was pretty chubby back then. So I was like, everything, everything. So I got, literally they used to sell these one liter, you know, there's two liters or 20 ounces. They used to sell one liters of Coca-Cola. I don't know, maybe they still do. Uh, but I got the one liter of Coca-Cola because in my mind I was like, the 20 ounce is too small. The two liters, that's just overkill, right? So the one liter, it's like perfect. It's, you know, more than any human should indulge in. So I get that. And then I got this bag, not the little bag, but like the big family size honking bag of Twizzler nibs. You guys know what Twizzler nibs are? You guys know what I'm talking about? They're not full Twizzlers. They're like nubs of Twizzlers and so, uh, or nibs of Twizzlers. And so, so I get that and my sister gets, you know, healthy crap. And so I have just junk food. I got Twizzler nibs. I got a, a one liter thing of Coca-Cola. And then we had our trip down to Sandusky, Ohio. Now there's this moment on the ride where you, and, and the ride down, not on the ride to Cedar Point, but in, in the trip down where you get to Cedar Point, the heavens part, the sun shines on the roller coasters and you enter a bridge and it's like, ah, Cedar Point is finally here. Right. And I, get to this point, but the problem is you enter a bridge at that moment. It's not like, you know, the Golden Gate Bridge, but it's a little bridge that doesn't have a shoulder. It's just the two lanes. And it was right about that moment where the nibs and the Coke started interacting with each other within my stomach and creating a bad, bad, bad reaction. Now, I threw up a lot as a kid. Uh, that's just a fun fact. And so I did. I just threw up a lot. And, and I, anytime I got in the car, I was car sick. And so uh, actually, my dad taking us down to Cedar Point was a terrible idea because I would have thrown up probably on every roller coaster. And so legitimately, we get on the, we get on the bridge and I just tell my dad, dad, I don't feel good. And he's like, well, what do you mean you don't feel good? Like, Throw up or throw down kind of not feel good, right? Because that's different. And when you become a parent, those are very important specifications. And so, and so I, I was like, I feel like I'm going to throw up. And he's like, all right, I can work with that, you know? And so, and so what does he do? He treats me like a dog. He rolls the window down and he's just like, puke out the window. I was like, okay. And so like in the midst of my queasiness, in the midst of my not feeling good, I stick my head out 
the window like a dog, and I can feel it, you know? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know before you get sick, like your tongue starts to sweat, you know what I'm talking about? Like, it's like, gets watery, and you're like, and you can feel it moving up. You're like, ooh, that's made its way out of the stomach. That's like now, that's in the esophagus right there, you know? So, and so I can just remember this feeling, like leaning out the car window, and, and feeling it like coming up, going, oh, this is coming, this is coming. But in the midst of it, like, this is really important, because in the midst of it, I realized how nice my dad's car was. Like, this was a new car, and it was shiny, it was white, like, it was tan interior, tan leather interior, and it was a nice car. And so I'm sitting outside the, well, leaning my head outside the window going, like, oh, this is a really, look at those rims, you know, like... (laughs) Like, wow, I bet you this is E85 gasoline. You know, I didn't think that. Uh, But then I sit back in, and my dad's like, do you feel okay? And the moment he asks that question, it was just a hose. I mean, like, that's really the only way to describe it. And it honestly, probably, like, better description, like, hose when you put your mouth, your thumb over the tip of the hose, and just projectile hose, right? And so, and it was just like, it was just like, and it was, and my sister was sitting next to me in the back seat, and so guess what? The nice brother that I was, I aimed for her, right? And, uh, and I just aimed right for her, and I just got it all over her. It was all over the back of my dad's head. It reached to the front seat, and it was, and guess what it smelled like? Coke and Twizzlers, yeah. And it was so gross. And my dad just, you know, like, you know those moments that you know you're gone and messed up, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, Oh, you idiot. You know, that kind of a deal, right? That was one of those moments where I was like, oh, I feel so much better. You're so stupid. You know, that kind of a deal. But my dad was like, he used his like gruff voice like, Rick, you know, and I'm like, dad, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's like, what were you thinking? I was like, your car is so nice on the outside. (laughs) It's literally like my nine-year-old brain. That was my way of functioning. I was like, I didn't want to get the outside messed up. He's like, I could have washed the outside, you know, that kind of a deal. But he forgave me because he's a good dad and he loved me and, and, uh, and that, but like, let's just be honest, as kids, we do dumb stuff all the time where we have to go and ask for forgiveness all the time, right? Maybe you're not, you know, barf hosing across the back seat, but like you're doing other dumb things and you're, you're hurting people around you and, and you just need to ask for forgiveness. Well, today... This parable that we're going to be going over is all about forgiveness. In fact, this is, I think, one of the most powerful stories of forgiveness that Jesus tells. And it actually doesn't start with Jesus just going and talking to a crowd. It actually starts with a one-on-one conversation that Jesus has with one of his most favorite followers, this guy named Peter. So if you guys have your Bibles, open your Bibles to Matthew 20. There we go. I hope you guys do that just not when I'm here, though, too. All right, so Matthew 18. Matthew 18, if you guys don't know what just happened, um, talk to one of the people who screamed. Actually, don't talk to him. I'll tell you right now. All right, so a few years ago, we had a camp uh, speaker at The Rock. I guess it was a couple years ago. And he said, hey, every time we open God's word, we should be excited about the fact that we get to open God's word and see what he has to say to us. So anytime he said, open God's word or open your Bible, we would have to cheer. And so, so I'm glad to see Rock students. You guys are continuing that on. Did he do that when he spoke at your guys' summer summer winter retreat? 
I hear some people saying no and some people saying yes. Glad it was impactful. Okay, so here we go. We're going to go Matthew 18, verse 21. And this is what it says here. If you guys don't have your Bibles, you can find it up on the screen. Here, Here we go. This is called the parable of the unmerciful or maybe the unforgiving servant. Verse 21 says this. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him, and he said, be patient with me, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? In his anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he allowed. And then Jesus goes on, he says, and this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. You see, Jesus goes in and he begins telling a story all about forgiveness. And I love this story because it's just a constant and a great reminder for all of us Because every single one of us, as we're going to see, we've been in situations where we need forgiveness. And in this parable, Jesus really, I think, really portrays his heart for all of us who are followers of Jesus. And so a couple things that we need to learn from this unforgiving servant. The first thing that we need to learn is this, is that we can experience limitless forgiveness. In other words, we can experience an unlimited amount of forgiveness. And when I say that, I think we we still imagine forgiveness with boundaries. But the reality is, is Jesus in this story is trying to show us a forgiveness that is just beyond our understanding, beyond anything we can begin to imagine. Because in the story, it begins with Peter and Jesus talking. And in this this conversation, Peter comes to Jesus and says, hey, JC, how many times am I supposed to forgive the person around me? Now, what you need to understand some of the background history is that the rabbinic law, like the rabbis back then, they would, their law said you need to forgive someone three times. Three times. Then if they mess up a fourth time, you cut them off, you don't forgive them anymore. Kind of like fool me once, shame on me. Fool me four times, shame on you kind of video, right? It's that kind of an idea. And so what happens is Peter, he comes to Jesus and he kind of comes with this puffed up chest, right? He's coming with his ego behind him and he's coming and saying, listen, 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 Jesus, how many times am I supposed to forgive my, my friend? Seven times, right? He thinks he's going above and beyond. He's like seven times, like that's enough, right? And Jesus goes, you doofus. No, that's seven times. And he says, 77 times. 
And, and what Jesus was saying is you're not actually supposed to keep a scorecard because no one's actually going to keep a scorecard and keep it like, you got 76, like you got one more shot and you're cut off, you know, from our friendship forever. No, what in essence Jesus was trying to tell him is, listen, you're supposed to give without limit. You're supposed to forgive without keeping a record. You're supposed to forgive an unlimited amount of times. And in fact, then he goes on to illustrate this. He goes on to show a story of this. And in and, and the passage that I read to you, it talked about, it talked about 100 silver coins, and then it talked about 100, or uh, it talked about 1,000 bags of gold. And in, in the original passage, in the original Greek, it says that servant one owed 10,000 talents. And what we need to understand is that one talent was equal to 20 years of wages. So you save up everything you make from your job for 20 years, and that equals one talent. And so this guy, he owned 10,000 talents, or in other words, he owed like 200,000 years of debt. Come again? Like, in other words, he owned so much that he would never be able to pay it off. This first servant, he owed so much that he would never be able to pay it off. That's why the king says, all right, that's it. Take you, your family, everything you own, and we're going to sell it. And we're going to sell you. And we're going to try and begin to pay back this immense debt. But what happens? The servant falls to his knees and begs for forgiveness. He begs for forgiveness, and he, he pleads, and he asks that he just get the debt erased, free of charge, even like, oh, I'll pay it back. And the, and the king knew he wasn't going to pay it back. He knew it was an un, unpayabackable, if that's a word. I don't think it is. We'll call it a word, right? Amount of money. And the reality is, the reality is, is he never would. And the king knew that. So in that instant, the king offered him an unlimited amount of forgiveness. And what happens right after that? That's interesting. He goes out. He sees one of his servants. And this is what the original Greek says. It owed, he owed servant two owed servant one, a hundred denarii. If you guys don't know what a denarii is, a denarius is one day's wage. So in essence, he owed him 100 days of work, a third of a year, very much payable, right? He very much could pay that debt back to servant one. But what happens? What happens is he doesn't have mercy on him and he throws the man into jail. And so what we need to understand is that in the midst of this story, this man, this servant one, he's given an unlimited amount of forgiveness. And the cool thing is, is that at the end of the story, we get to see that this actually applies to you and to me. That every single one of us, we are offered unlimited forgiveness by our Father in heaven. And some of you, you sit there right now and you think, no, 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 but that doesn't mean to me because you don't know what I have done. You don't know the things that I've said. You don't know the actions that I've done. You don't know what I did last week at that party. You don't know, you know, and we start filling in the blanks. I know that because that's exactly how I was when I was sitting in your guys' seats. I was always willing to talk about the grace of Jesus, but I was never willing to think it actually covered over my sin. Because I always thought my sin was too great for Jesus. And then I, I can remember being taught about the forgiveness and remember thinking about just how God's forgiveness is greater than I can even begin to understand. And I want you guys to hear me today. 
tell you that there is nothing that you have done that is not forgivable by Jesus. There is nothing that you have done that Jesus cannot forgive you for. First John 1, 9 says this, he is faithful and he is just and he will. That is a promise from God's word. He will forgive you of your sins when you confess them to them. And when you repent, it's just this, this attitude of confessing and repenting of your sin. But it's offered to us. Every single one of us has the ability to come through faith and repentance and receive an unlimited amount of forgiveness. And it's not like buffet unlimited, right? Because ever like, I, whenever I see all you can eat, I feel challenged sometimes. Like, you guys know what I'm talking about? Like, like there, if you guys go up to Genji in Novi, do anyone know where Genji is? Genji is like this hibachi steakhouse place in, uh, in Novi up near like West Oaks area. And for lunch, they have this, this for $11, it's an all-you-can-eat sushi buffet. And um, yeah, it's delicious actually. So if you guys like sushi, you know, you're welcome. And I would love for you to take me to lunch. And so here's the thing. I walked in there the first time and I felt challenged. I was like, all right, all you can eat, I'm going to try and eat all of this sushi. And I made a good run. I was with the interns and I made a pretty good run. I think I ate, I don't know, I'm like, I'm not exaggerating. I think I ate a solid, almost 40 pieces of sushi. And I felt like I was going to bar for like two days. Okay. I'm not going to lie. And, and like there, like, even I get, I think at some point, like if they brought in like a sumo wrestler who just like loved sushi and could mouth sushi, I wonder like, is there a point where they would say, sir, we're cutting you off? You know, like one, this is unhealthy for you. And two, like we need to survive as a restaurant, you know? And, and I just think like, if that would happen, that's not really all you can eat. Now, now I think they do that because they understand like the human body can only take so much sushi and, uh, and like at some point you're just going to explode. And so that's okay for them. But like imagine if, if like we could eat all the sushi we wanted to eat, right? Unlimited amount of sushi. Like, well, if you hate sushi, this is a very bad example for you, okay? Uh, you know, if you hate sushi, then, you know, go with McDonald's. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think of America, you know? And so, <laughs> uh, but here we go. So, right, fill in the blank, whatever food you want to eat. Like unlimited. Think of like that, unlimited. If you could ever experience, I think it would be overwhelming. And that's kind of my point of all this, right? Even 40 pieces of sushi was overwhelming for me and, and probably Danielle too. And so, um, so here's the thing. It's overwhelming. And we need to understand that we can, ex we can experience just an unlimited amount of forgiveness before Jesus because of the cross, because of the empty grave, because of the faith that he offers us and the forgiveness that comes because of that faith. So if you've ever struggled with that, if you've ever said, yeah, but not me, I want to challenge you guys right now. I want to challenge you to go find a leader tonight. I want to challenge you to not leave this building tonight without talking to a leader and talking to them and letting them know and letting them pray with you and letting them show you the forgiveness that is found in Jesus. So the first thing I want us to understand from this parable is that we can experience an unlimited amount of forgiveness. The second thing that I want you to understand about this parable is that we should give a limitless forgiveness. 
We should give in return an unlimited amount of forgiveness. Now, the reason the servant was thrown into prison and and ridiculed was because he did not have mercy in the same way on his fellow servant who owed him. He went and he said, no, 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 the debt that you owe, even though it's very much something you can pay back, even though it's very much something that you can give back, even though it's far less, far, far less, like hundred thousands of years less than the debt that I just was forgiven, you have to pay it back. And he doesn't show forgiveness in the same way. And the king gets angry and the other servants get angry and they go, what is happening? And so what happens in this story that we just read, the servant gets thrown into prison for the rest of his life because he is never going to be able to pay this off. But servant two, he was able to. And the whole condemnation that this guy is facing is because he did not give mercy or forgiveness in the same way that he was shown. And so the lesson, the second lesson that we need to understand is for those of us who have been given mercy and shown mercy and been forgiven much, the lesson is now we need to go and offer and show a limitless forgiveness. Whoa, whoa, time out. You don't know what they did to me, though. You don't know how they hurt me. You don't know what they said to me. You don't know what they posted about me. I understand that it hurt. I understand that it, that it might not feel like the right thing to do. I understand that it might not be the thing that you are wanting to do even, right? I understand that everyone else is telling you to do something else in return. I understand that everything points to you not offering forgiveness to this person who has wronged you. But man, am I so glad that that was not Jesus' attitude on the cross towards me. Am I so glad that Jesus did not look on the cross as he was dying for my sin and go, yeah, but you don't know what he's going to do. Like, he's not going to, like, I'm just getting down. You know, and like, you know, and just like walk away. Like, I'm done with this, right? Imagine if Jesus had the same attitude about forgiveness that we have towards others. Imagine if Jesus was like, you know what? They're going to mess up. They're going to hurt me. They're going to walk away from me. They're going to say things, right? They're going to do things. Can you believe how they act with other people at 707? Did you see that post? It's on Snapchat, so it's gone now. But, you know, like, it was still there for a little bit, you know? That's the whole thing. I'm so glad that wasn't Jesus' attitude for me. Instead, what Jesus did is he offered us unlimited forgiveness. And he says, now you need to turn. And you might not want to. It might not feel right. It might not feel good in the midst of it. But it's what we've been called to because it's what we've received. It's what we've been given. And so as we give, as we've been given, we need to go out and give. Jesus says, they will know that you are my disciples by the way that you obey me and you love one another. So as you love one another, I honestly think the way that you love is is a direct reflection of the mercy you show, the forgiveness that you show. Now, I don't know who in your life has hurt you. I don't know if it's your siblings. I don't know if it's your parents. I don't know if it's your friends or your teachers or your coaches or your teammates or whoever it is in your life. I don't know who has hurt you. But I want to challenge you to go 
and offer forgiveness. You might not think that it matters, and they might say, why are you doing this? Your response should simply be, because Jesus has done it for me. Can you imagine how powerful of a witness that would be to your friends who don't know Jesus, who, who are freely receiving forgiveness that they don't deserve, but are, is being freely given to them? Can you imagine how 707 could be different? How your high schools could be different? How the places you go to work at could be different? How the teams you play on could be different? How even even the friends you interact with on social media could be different if you offer and live out the forgiveness and the grace that Jesus offers to you? Oh man, can I tell you? Can I tell you this room could not contain the amount of kids who want to experience that kind of forgiveness? I think this building could not contain the amount of high school students that would want to come and experience that kind of forgiveness. You want to know the best part? He's given it to us first. And then he says, now go and give in the same way. We get in this, we get in this thing where we take the record and we go, yeah, but they did this and I shouldn't do this. And she says, no, no not, not seven times, 77 times. Unlimited forgiveness. You've received it. Now go give it. And so how, what are you supposed to do with this? How, how are you supposed to remember this? What's it supposed to look like tomorrow? Here's, here's the thing I just want you to remember. The rock, we just simply call it the thought for the week. Here's what I want you to remember this week. I want you to do to others what God has done to you. I want you to do unto others as God has done to you, right? You've heard of the golden rule. This is, this is the same kind of idea. Do unto others as you wish them to do unto you. you know, this is kind of like the God rule. This is do unto others as God has done for you. Go show forgiveness. 20 years when your kid barfs all over the backseat of your car. You go, I don't remember a single thing Rick ever said. Or Mark. But Bob, you know, he's smart. You know, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't remember anything, but I remember that story and I'm here. Like, what do I do? Do unto others as God has done to you. When your friend comes and and they hurt you and they say that thing behind your back, you don't want to offer forgiveness. What do you do? Do unto others what God has done for you. When you're in the midst of worship and you're singing about the love that God has for you and you think about someone you've gone and either wronged or been wronged by, what do you do? You go and you ask for forgiveness or you offer forgiveness. Think, I really do think that God desires, one of the things that God desires his people to be is a people of mercy, a people of forgiveness. So I would love, I would love to see nothing more than this room just busting at the seams by students who are hungry to receive the forgiveness of God because they've been shown the forgiveness of God by you guys here tonight and you guys here this week and you guys here as you go back to school and as you guys go and you go to work and you go to wherever you guys go, right? Let's go and do unto others what God has done for us. I think when we do that, we're going to experience just the love of God in a new, fresh way like we've never, ever imagined it before. We pray for us, and then I think we'll be done for the night. I don't really know. I didn't get instructions. So let's pray. <laughs> Father, thanks for, thanks for these students, God. Thanks for uh, their willingness to let me come and speak, uh, not booing me off from up front, but God, uh, just being... Uh, 
loving as we just talk about the incredible forgiveness that you have shown to us through this parable of the unmerciful servant. God, I pray that we would not be the, like the unmerciful servant, Father. God, I pray that we would be like the king who freely gives. And Father, I pray that when people look at us, that they would see you. God, I pray when people come near us, they would feel you. God, I pray that when students come to 707 and they walk through these doors, God, I pray that your spirit would just overwhelm them. And God, I pray that the students here at 707 would be known as students who freely give and show the forgiveness that you have showed them. And Father, I pray that you would give us power through your Holy Spirit to go and forgive. God, I pray that we would be men and women who just seek your heart first and foremost, and that others would know that and recognize that about us. God, let's not put on a show. Help us not to fake this, but God, help us to just lay our hearts bare before you, knowing that there is nothing that is beyond your forgiveness. And in return, there should be nothing that is beyond for us forgiving others as well. And so, Father, we come, and Lord, we just pray that your spirit would empower us to love that way and to show others forgiveness that way. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey.